Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. Was I see a crucified? Yeah. Does this world 
from You got to choose one Who you gonna choose the most I heard theater Suicide to choose from You got to choose one Who you gonna choose Who you gonna choose Got to choose Alright, alright, alright You gonna learn today Alright, alright, alright Gonna learn today. <clears throat> all right, all right, all right, all right. Shalom, 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 and good evening. Um, my apologies, brothers and sisters. I know you're expecting Brother Pastor Paul. He's a great teacher, a great counselor, a great man, and, um, uh, and, and a, a person who I'm honored to call my friend. Um, he, had, he, he got caught up today. He was supposed to, well, from this morning, he had called to the plantation, and then he had some other things going on this, this evening. So for all the multi-text, that I did send out, and I know it might be a lot of confusion. Might I need to do something real quick here. Um, that's not done on purpose. Uh, please believe it is not done on purpose. But um, let me do this real quick, brothers and sisters. Uh, there's a person I forgot to send the text out to, so let me. Um, and they just texted me too, so let me get this out. That's where some of the confusion is. And you might hear it in my voice. Uh, tonight, I am a little frustrated. Um, my apologies that it, it's, it's, just, it's, it's, I hate to say it like Monica, it's been one of them days, right? Uh, it's just one of them days. But we'll get through it. I, I know I'm damn sure not going to have nothing to complain about. I know a lot of people have a lot of things that they have going on in their lives. Um, so let me go ahead and uh, knock the dirt off my shoulders and let's go and get this started. All right, so, again, my apologies um, for the way things are working out. Uh, tonight is supposed to be uh, Thursday. Your, your, your ears are not playing tricks on you. It is Thursday, which we, uh, we were looking for another installment. I was looking forward to another installment of Brother Tucker Paz, uh, FYI, did uh, his part two of going over the Trinity. I was, I was uh, you know, the brother's a great teacher. I was looking forward to it, but uh, he can't handle it, so... It was just today, it didn't happen. So hopefully he'll come back Tuesday with Tusk Squad Tuesdays and come back uh, next Thursday with uh, the next installment of, uh, for your information, uh, uh, dealing with the Trinity. All right? So it's me. It's Mashaba. Uh, I know a lot of y'all probably ain't going to listen because it's me. That was, <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, and, uh, regardless, I still want to give a shout-out uh, to some, some of the brother schools um, that we that we do try to lead with uh, here in uh, San Antonio, uh, the Sport of Truth, uh, San Antonio, which is located at 4444 Walsam, Suite number 201, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Uh, they have class every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 7.30 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. And then on Saturdays uh, for the Saturday class starting at 10 a.m. All right. Um, you can also reach them on YouTube at Sport of Truth San Antonio. Uh, that's their YouTube channel uh, when they, they, whenever they have live classes. Uh, if you happen to be in the Houston area, our school in Houston, which is SOW, Houston, Texas, the Stream of Wisdom, their address is 231 FM Road 292, Stafford, Texas, 77477 being the address there. Um, they have classes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then also on Saturdays. On Mondays and Wednesdays, um, they have class from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Then on Fridays, they have class from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., and on Saturdays, the Sabbath, they also have classes starting at 10 a.m. going to about 2 p.m. 
You catch them live on YouTube on Wednesdays from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And then again on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And you can reach them at their YouTube channel, uh, SOW Houston, Texas, Stream of Wisdom. All right? If you're in the Norfolk area, Norfolk, Virginia, um, the school is located at 2610 Granby Street, Norfolk, Virginia, 23517, meaning the address there. They have classes every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. And again on Saturday, starting at 12 noon. All right? You can reach them live on Facebook Live on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. And then there's Sabbath class uh, at SOW North Virginia, Stream of Wisdom on YouTube, right? For our school in Rochester, uh, the SOW uh, Rochester, New York, the Stream of Wisdom, which is located at 1600 Lyle Avenue, Street number 1A, Rochester, New York, 14606 being the address there. They have classes uh, every Tuesday. Thursday and Friday uh, from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and then again on Saturday starting at 10 a.m. And you can catch them at SOW Rochester, New York, uh, Stream of Wisdom, their YouTube channel, all right? Um, our other U- uh, YouTube media outlets you can reach us at um, is the Hidden Truth Bible Show on YouTube, the Israelite Media Corps, that's C-O-R-P, um, Five Minutes of Wisdom, and Hidden Books. Um, that Hidden Books, brothers and sisters, um, one thing I just got, got into recently, about maybe two months ago, is I'm one of those persons that I, I need some, I need white noise. I need, I need background noise when I, when I go to sleep. Um, usually it's the TV or it might be, um, it's going to be something playing in the background in order for me to go to sleep. So what I started doing was uh, I, I go on YouTube and, you know, they say the black screen is the best screen to have uh, so that you don't have any of the light. Uh, messing with the melatonin and the serotonin uh, levels in, 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 your, in your in your body, what have you, that the, you want it to be as dark as possible. But uh, I was I started playing. Uh, uh, it would be a black black screen, and usually, I, you know, I, I I get a good night's sleep if I have like the thunder, the a, a rainstorm, a thunderstorm playing in the background. But I found um, uh, that same uh, type of videos, or same type of of, of, of uh, media, but there was actually somebody reading scriptures, and it was from the um, the Israelites, but they're not they don't speak the the ancient Paleo Hebrew like we do, which is not a problem. They still went over scriptures, and I can still you know still still uh, still get it. But what the brothers out there in, in Norfolk did, uh, the brother Kazaki with the brother Ariah, they're doing a fantastic job. They actually have a black screen set up to where they have they're reading from a Hebrew Israelite. Um, uh, Speaking of the Hebrew, actually reading, uh, starting with the, the book of Ezra, uh, where it's playing, uh, he's reading the book of Ezra, and you have a, um, have a black screen, and it's on YouTube. So that's on the Kenyan books, uh, they're on YouTube. So we want you to please check any of these out. You know, you know how it goes. Like, share, and subscribe to all, to, all the, um, to, to all the stations, and hit that notification button so you can stay in touch with all the latest classes that come out from, from our schools uh, on YouTube. All right. Um, uh, as you know, December 7th, uh, sundown December 7th is the beginning of Hanukkah. All right. Sundown December 7th is the beginning of Hanukkah. And we do invite everybody, please get in touch with the school location nearest to you. All right. Get in touch with the school location nearest to you. So we can uh, now come back and rededicate ourselves for this, for this feast called the dedication. That's what Hanukkah means. Come from that Paleo Hebrew word, Hanak, Hanukkah, meaning dedication. So, Sunday, December 7th, 
um, is the beginning of Hanukkah. Please get in touch with any one of the schools, any one of the camps um, uh, that you might be able to participate and come together with the rest of your brothers and sisters and family to honor these days, all right, to honor these days. Now, you might have thought I forgot, but I didn't. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to my brother, Ashwetza, uh, and the crew brother he has up there in Albuquerque, uh, him, Akhad, the brothers um, Zakar, Ayal, um, uh, Dawiyad. They're doing a fantastic job up there. They're really putting things together. They're, 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 keep, they're keeping the torch lit. Uh, they're keeping the torch lit, and they keep, they're, keep, they're keeping things going strong. Um, if you're in the Africa area, please reach out to Brother Ash White Desire, Eric Will 5205 All right? Um, be yourself that favor. They're doing a great job. And also to the Brother Mike Oliver, uh, who uh, him and uh, Ash White Desire are doing the Fountain of Wisdom. All right? They're doing the Fountain of Wisdom. Uh, best way to link up with that um, uh, media is the, find them on Facebook. Right? Find them on Facebook under Fountain of Wisdom. Uh, they're doing a great job. Every Friday night, they, they, they go over the um, they go they're doing a chapter in Psalms every Friday night. Uh, you, you can call in, and you can also uh, link to the chat through Facebook every Friday night. And then they come back on Saturday mornings, and they're doing the tour readings. And as you know, Mike Allah, well, he just comes up Mike. Man, she already had a Hebrew name. Um, you know, he's a uh, he's a scholar. He, he he is a bona fide scholar especially when it comes to, 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 to the Torah, to the, to the Old Testament. So if you really want to get a good foundation uh, of the Bible, check out the brother. Um, uh, you want to check them out every Saturday, again, the Fountain of Wisdom. Uh, in addition to all the other great teaching that's going out from Award here in San Antonio, Kazaki there in, in Norfolk, reach out. All right, reach out. Reach out and grab somebody's hand. All right. <laughs> all right, cool. Here's a part of the show, brothers and sisters. And I want to thank everybody once again. Um, for your prayers, for your help, and for your support, and your well wishes and condolences uh, for my mother-in-law, right, and for my my my, my in-laws, as as my mother-in-law was called back home. Uh, thank you, all right. Thank you. And in ancient Hebrew uh, sayings, the water, the water to me. I thank the water. Thank you for the help that you've given and the prayers that you've sent up. It truly has been received. Thank you all very much. Uh, with that in mind, we want, I want to continue the, uh, keeping the prayers going for everybody. Uh, and esteeming others than myself. And let me say these prayers up. I got a little something I want to I bring out with that. All right. Um, as we know uh, from James chapter 5 or 16, it does say, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That we want to make sure, brothers and sisters, that, that we are doing right by the Most High, not just right by the world, not just right by whoever. We want to make sure we're doing right by the most high so that he'll hear our prayers. I say he will hear our prayers, and that it's important for us, the nation of Israel, for us to repent. It's important for us to repent and to confess our faults, uh, not the fault we find with somebody else and what they did wrong, then how they did us wrong, but where we mess up. We should be trying to really be humble to try and look and understand and confess what we've done wrong. We want to be that, um, that adulterous woman in Proverbs that wipes their mouth and be like, I ain't did nothing wrong, you know, as we're going as we're going over the facts that we're going over. We don't want to be caught up into that type of thing, brothers and sisters. So let's strive and, and keep working at doing right by the most high so he'll hear our prayers. All right. So he will hear our prayers. So with that, I do have uh, um I've, I've compiled a prayer list um of brothers and sisters and families from um 
uh, that, that I deal with from across the, across the nation. If you'd like to get, have somebody added to uh, to the prayer list, as we add, as I ask everybody to add these names to your own personal prayer list, then we might be able to pray for one another. All right, the special fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. All right, so I'm gonna sit this prayer up, and and after that, I got a few words. All right. <clears throat> so here we go. If you choose to uh, repeat, cool. I'm going to keep it all in English, and we're going to go from there. Uh, so we pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The most high in the name of Christ. Please listen to us now, right now. Please send your spirit to watch over, to bless, to heal, to strengthen, to help, to protect, to build up. And Father, we ask that you give your continued mercy and long-suffering uh, to us. And Father, as you had uh, Moses tell us in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, that, th- that the Lord will bless thee and the Lord keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. So, Father, we ask that you might put your name, and it was, yeah, your name might be put upon uh, Bobby Dixon, our, our friend, Bob, uh, uh, our sister, Bobby Dixon, to our, uh, our daughter, Sierra Leakey, the daughter of our brother, David, up there in Dallas. We ask, Father, um, that you might put your name upon the sister, Abadiah, um, the wife of our brother, Lachama, out there in Houston, Texas, with the stream of wisdom. Father, we ask that you might that you might put your name upon our brother Shaklakabar out there in Norfolk, Virginia, or the stream of the stream of wisdom also. Father, we ask that you might uh, put your name upon uh, our brother Sahawam Macha uh, and his wife Waradaya, whom everybody calls Ama, Ama and, and Abba, uh, here with the Sword of Truth here in San Antonio. We ask, Father, that you might put uh, that you might put your name upon the brother John Span, our friend John Span. Father, we ask that you might put uh, uh, put your name upon Miss Catherine uh, Ma Dukes, the mother of our beloved brother uh, and friend, Tazapa. We ask, Father, that you might put your name upon our friends in Albuquerque, Becky, Daryl, and Carmen, Father. Father, I, I pray that you might put your name upon my in-laws, my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, my, my father-in-law, Melvin Lovett. My brother-in-law, Shemaiwan, my sister-in-law, Andrea, and all their kids, Father, and all their family. I ask that you might be with them, Father. Um, that you put your, that your, that we might put your name upon them, Father. Uh, the entire Coast family, the, the family of our brother Gabar Kawa. Uh, Father, we pray that you might put your name upon our, our brother Kazakia out there in North Virginia. Father, we ask that you might put your name upon Tawam Mayam out there in Houston with his wife, Shariah, and their son, Benaniah. We ask, Father, that you might put your name upon uh, Tawam here in San Antonio, also West, uh, a.k.a. West Beverly. Father, we ask that you please put your name upon our sister out here, Ayana, the wife of our brother, uh, Awana Ayer. Uh, please put your name upon her, Father. Father, we ask that you might put your name upon Cece, who is the daughter of our brother Tazapah and his wife Arakaya. 
We ask, Father, that you might put your name upon Isa Lee, the daughter of our brother, Gabarkawa, and Anagashia. And, Father, we ask that you also might put your name upon Aliyah, the daughter of our brother, Barabaz, and his wife, Kwadashaya. Father, I ask that you might put your name upon our brother, our friend, Tazapa, Father, and his family. And Father, I ask that you might put your name upon the brother, Kwadashabar, in San Antonio. Father, I ask that you might put your name upon the brother, our friend, um, the giving brother, uh, Yenawathan. Uh, we ask, Father, that you might put your name upon the family of our brother, Gabar Allah out there in Florida, with his wife, Anisha, and her mother, Ruthie Mae Johnson, and their nephew, Keontae, and their niece, Rihanna. Father, we ask that you put your name upon our brother, Sean Kodash, out there in Florida as well, along with his wife, Mariah and their son, Kazakia. Father, we ask, I ask that you might put your name upon the brother LV, Brother Lavander, out there in California, and his mother, Pat Washington. Father, I ask that you might please put your name upon the sister, Kwadashaya, who is the, the wife of our brother, Bonabad. Father, we ask that you might put your name upon our friend, Sean Stark. And Father, we ask that you might put your name upon our friend, Sylvia Khan. Father, we ask that you... Uh, put your hand, put your name upon our, our brother Shapar up there in Albuquerque. We ask Father that you might put your name upon our brother Yama, uh, who's up there in Lubbock. Father, we ask that you might put your name upon Yasha Allah and Gallup, who is the brother of Daniela. And Father, I ask that you also might put your name upon my my parents Eddie and Bible Lee Morris. And Father, you said that they shall put my name upon the children of Israel that you would bless them. Father, we ask that, you, that all these things might be done, that we pray not for ourselves, but we pray for and esteem others, but ourselves, and trying to have the mind of Christ, as Christ started out of robbery, to have your mind to, to be forgiving, long-suffering, patient, and temperate, and dealing with us. So we ask these things in the reputation of the example of our King that you sent, Jesus Christ, Yahweh Shai. We thank you always, the waters in your heart. I'm on. All right, so now we got that um, important thing out the way. But listen, I would like to um, uh, we just remind everybody, as we already go into this class, uh, which is going to be a continuation from our class yesterday, I just want to take a few minutes. Um, and coming back from, from the, the going home celebration of my, my mother-in-law, I just want to remind everybody, um, the scripture says, uh, as much as life in you, be at peace with all men. And like another scripture says that our life is like the grass uh, that is cut down in the field. That today is and tomorrow it, 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 it's cut down. That's, that's in the book of James. I just want to remind everybody that holding grudges, not forgiving other people, it ain't worth it. Not to be able to make peace with, 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 with someone because of pride. Let me get that scripture. Let me get that scripture. I do need that scripture. The scripture says this, y'all. And let me, I got to look it up. Um, P-R-I, pride, C-O-N-T-E-N-T-I-O-N, contention. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, all right, in the book of Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, but it says this, all right, only by pride, this is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, only by pride come a contention. 
but what they will advise is wisdom. If there's tension between people, the only way there's tension is because there's pride. That's what the Most High says, that I don't want to let them think that, they, that they're smarter than me. I don't want to let them think that they're over me. I don't want to let them think that they're, that, they're, that they're right when I'm right. So we keep this, this, this there, there'll be tension that stays between people because of pride, as opposed to following Christ and having his mind and taking low. People just want to keep forcing their way and pushing their way and pushing their will. And I'm not going to be wrong until you admit you wrong. And, and they give a damn about the relationship. But then when, when funerals come, all of a sudden you see this big, this big production. Not everybody has got to be, I, I, I love this person more. They love me more. Going through all this, this drama, when you could have, you, you're only doing that because you feel guilty. You didn't work things out. And now that weight of, of you didn't get a chance to work things out, you held on to your anger, you held on to your grudge, you held on to your pride, and now you're searching for justification. You're searching for, for an excuse. You're searching for, for something to ease your conscience. Whereas all you had to do was go ahead and, while they were still here, take a low. Remember what Christ said. You know, maybe that's what I got to do. Maybe I should have done that in the first place. Um, when we go to Matthew chapter 5. Let me just pull it up. Stop playing with it. We'll go to Matthew chapter 5. Um... I mean, there's a lot here. Uh, Matthew chapter five, and we've had to, we've I've had this in the class before. I'm, I'm just gonna read this. I ain't gonna really give no breakdown to it. But y'all, this is the words of Christ. Whether whether a person wants to remember the words of Christ or not. All right, Matthew chapter five verse three says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness." for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see the most high. Blessed are the peacekeepers. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peace, peacemakers. I'm sorry. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of the most high, the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Just, you know, just a great thought out there, brothers and sisters. Um, we're coming to these last days. I mean, we've been here. 
But if things are going to get chunked up, it's going to get chunked up even more and more and more and more. If you're not going to stand on the rock, which is Christ and his word, it tells you the tribulation, the persecution is going to come, it's going to, hit, it's going to hit hard. It's designed to hit hard. And it's designed to see are you studying. It's designed to see are you standing on the word of God or are you standing on something else? Are, 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 what are you making your foundation? What are you standing on? And remember, like Paul tried to warn us, everybody's going to be checked to see what you're really about. Are you really about Christ and his words or not? So I just want to throw out there, brothers and sisters, that to hold on to that guilt or to that weight or hold on to that, that your conscience being really messing with you because you didn't make peace, you, you, you could have said, I mean, and I'm sorry. You could have took low. But you had to stand in, in your pride? Well, Proverbs 13 and 10, only by pride comes contention. That's the only way there's tension. You have pride, not the other person. I know, I, know that, I know that's how most people want to think. Yeah, if those people just admit they're wrong, then, then we, well, know, there will be no tension. If they admit they're wrong, if they admit what they did, what about you? Can, can you see how, how just in that mentality you have, how much pride you got? That they got to admit they're wrong, they got to take low. You're not going to let nobody walk all over you. Then are you following the steps of Christ or not? Do you believe in this Bible or not? It's not too late, brothers and sisters. We, we, we can still repent. We can still repent and we can still keep working on it. Right? Adjustment does fall seven times when he rises up again. So just a, a few words, hopefully of encouragement. Um, and, you know, some food for thought. Some food for thought. Why, the reason why we have these classes. All right, so with that being said, brothers and sisters, um, since I'm being kind of thrown in the hot seat, which, which I don't mind, and I, I appreciate it, I appreciate it, we're going to continue from our classroom last night. Now, if you didn't didn't get a chance to hear last night's class, um, it is on Google Podcasts. It did get loaded up. Um, you can also catch it at www.blogtalkradio.com. Uh, uh, go to the search box, type in Mashaba, M-A-S-H-A-H-B-A, and uh, the, the class was there. All right, the class is definitely there. It did get uploaded. I was worried that with the servers with, with Blog Talk messing up these past couple of days, that the show might not have got recorded because I have a studio here. Uh, on my computer, where um, that I'm supposed to be able to control the show from, but it froze up last night. And then usually I get a warning. Uh, let me know that when there's 90 seconds left uh, to end the show, there's 60 seconds left to end the show, and then 10 seconds left to end the show, and we didn't hear any of that. Me and the brother Gabar Kowal, who was reading for me, we didn't hear any of that. So I wasn't sure if, if any of the show got recorded, but it actually did. All right? it, it actually did. So as you can see, from the top of the class, what we're dealing with is idols of the Gentiles. Let me, let me pull this up. Idols of the Gentiles, beginning of spiritual fornication, and this is actually part six. All right, idols of the Gentiles, beginning of spiritual fornication, and this is actually part six. 
And this, 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 it's, it's getting more and more extensive, brothers and sisters. This, 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 it's getting extensive. And when I say that, meaning to understand the, the idols of the Gentiles and some of the practices and some of the, some of, a lot of the practices and things that we do today in modern times that we don't even think about, they really are heavily seated and their origins are heavily rooted in paganism. And one of the main pagans that is rooted in um, is the mythology from the, the history, the historical account of a man whose name was Nimrod, that we read about in Genesis chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 6, uh, down to verse, um, I think it's verse 12, and that Nimrod was the founder of the first empire on the earth after the flood that was called Babel. All right, and it was him and, and uh, which Babel, which became, uh, you know, modern-day Babylon, which is in modern-day Iraq, and that his kingdom also spread to Assyria uh, with his wife, Ceramicus, and that it was from their folklore and from, from um, things that, how they conquered, how they ruled, him being the first conqueror. It tells you about that in Genesis chapter 10, that a lot of legends, a lot of God worship uh, was continued on because of this person, because of this individual, him and his wife, um, and, and that their mythology has spread through every society and every nation on the planet Earth from since the days of they first started the first Babylonian, the first kingdom called Babel. Right, and that's what we've been covering, what we've been going over. And we're, we're going through history, and we're seeing how uh, when you're dealing with Egyptian mythology, when you're dealing with Greek mythology, when you're dealing with Roman mythology, when you're dealing with Norse, Norse mythology, even Aztec mythology and, and Incan mythology, that as you go back and trace these things, many of them go back to the origins, uh, the paganistic origins, going back to Nimrod, Ceramicus, and Tammuz. All right? Uh, and this is where our studies are taking us, and I'm trying to hopefully help help bring some light to how much and how subtle pagan worship has seeped into our, our everyday lives to we don't even realize what's going on. We don't even get it. We, we, what we think is just, just uh, American way of living, American culture, is just you just being you. You don't realize that the same thought process and the same culture that you've adopted or, or that you've given yourself over to is heavily steeped, heavily rooted in paganism, heavily rooted in idolatry. And this is, what, this is the purpose of us going over these classes, right, of, of, of this particular series that I'm doing right here. So, <clears throat> so to open up tonight, uh, I would like for us to please go to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. And let, let me check my mics and everything, I'm sure I am broadcasting. All right, brother, you know what I see in the, in the chat, in the, in, the, in the studio? All right, welcome. Shalom, 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 brother. Um, Okay, I got a red light there. I should be broadcasting. And let me check my phone. Make sure the, the my mic is on, on my phone. Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? And cool. So it says I'm broadcasting. All right. The first scripture I'm going to start with tonight, brothers and sisters, uh, we're going to go to First Peter. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. We're going to First Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. And he says, this is Peter. Now, mind you, remember everybody, Peter is the one Christ gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven to. 
I ain't say, upon that, that Peter was going to be the stone that he was going to build his church on. So Peter was very um, instrumental uh, in, in, in being a part of what Christ has set up and established. All right? Peter was the first apostle to go outside of the Jews that knew they were Jews. Um, he was the first one to go to the Jews that had been dispersed outside of uh, the land of Israel from the three years that Christ actually did his, his ministry. Um, Peter was that first guy. He was that first one. All right? Very instrumental. That Peter was, was usually one of the three that Christ, when it came to doing uh, any extra miracles, into the inner circle. And Christ's inner circle, it was Peter, James, and John that were really were a part of Christ's inner circle, even among the 12, that he had held, uh, held a position of really close to, with, with Christ, with, uh, with, with Jesus. So this is First Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. First Peter chapter 4 verse 7, and it says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Now, one thing that is kind of striking me with this is, this is Peter talking. Peter gave us two letters, first and second Peter. So Peter is saying the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Now, before I started this series, I thought I understood what it meant to be sober. I really thought I had a clue about what it meant to be sober. But from, from starting this series and going through this series, the word sober and, and, and the concept of being sober has a whole new different perspective, has a whole new different understanding about what it means to, to, to not be influenced, all right, to not be influenced by anything. Because as we're going over these, 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 these classes, these classes, brothers and sisters, we're seeing that the influence of paganism has gotten so far into what we call Christianity today, but it has the influence from the other nations, their cultures, their rituals, um, their dress codes, the way they do things. It kept influencing Israelites to where it, it got God so angry with us, we got kicked out the promised land because of being influenced and not staying sober with the Lord our God. So Peter's saying at the end of all things, First Peter 4 and 7, the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. All right? He comes back now. Let's go to First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Let's go to First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Uh, um, okay, let's go to First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, and it says, again, this is from Peter. The one who has the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's funny when when people, you know, when you think about Christianity, you think about um, uh, when you think about Christianity, one thing that always comes to mind is Peter standing at the pearly gates. You know, they make so many jokes about it, make so many references to it that when when their, their understanding is that when Peter was given the keys to the kingdom of heaven, that Peter's actually standing at the gates of heaven, uh, and like he's the one who has got the books open, and you had to go to Peter in order to get into heaven because he has the key that. That, that's a very child, childish um, uh, uh, rendition of what, what, what it means to have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. But having the keys is 
He's going to tell us how to get into heaven. What it is we need to be doing to get into heaven? So First Peter, now, chapter 5, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary is the devil, as a born lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. And we use, we've used this scripture so many times in so many different councils and, um, and exhortations. But the first part of the scripture, we, we always used to focus on the devil uh, walking about whom he may devour. But let's, focus, let's, let's get this first part of this. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be sober. Be vigilant. This is from a man who spent three intimate years with Christ. This was a man who, when none of the other apostles walked on water, he walked on water towards Christ. He walked on water. This man. So you would think that maybe what he has to say, we might want to pay attention to. That he might have a little inside, you know, a little that inside information. He might have that, that hookup. He might be trying to pull your coattail or something. He might be trying to drop some real wisdom and knowledge on you. He might be trying to put you on game. He might have he might have the hookup. Be sober. Be vigilant. Watch into prayer. Be ye sober. All right. This is from Peter. This is from Peter, from Peter. So with that, keeping that in mind. We've gone over this before, but let's say that one more time. Let's go to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. And there's so many times that coming from a church background or even in, in the Hebrew Israelite community, we, we'll, go to, we'll go to scriptures and we'll just focus on, on particular precepts, but we haven't really got the, the, the con, uh, what do you call that, the uh, content, the context, I'm sorry, the context of the whole chapter, the context of what's being said. So... We've heard this before, especially if, you, if you're around Hebrew Israelites, we've heard this before. But let's take another look at this, all right? Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. And what this is, I've gone over in this, this recent series that, that, that we're dealing with, I've gone over what was going on at, at Galatia that Paul had to write this. What kind of, 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 of paganism was happening at Galatia? What kind of practices and rituals uh, and what are the gods and what kind of things were the Israelites that were in Galatia, what were they giving themselves over to? That Paul had to come back and write that Paul had to come back and write this. Alright? So this is Galatians chapter five, verse nineteen through twenty. It says now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies. Now, what I'm going to focus in on, brothers and sisters, if y'all would join me, is Galatians chapter 5, verse 20. We've gone over the Galatians 5, 19 to 20. We, we, we have, but I want to pull something out of, of verse 20 where it says idolatry, and then it comes back to talk about witchcraft. We've already covered why the first thing that, that Paul addresses to the people of Galatia in this letter 
was adultery. And then the second thing he addressed to the people of Galatia was fornication. And then uncleanness and, and lasciviousness. But now let's touch on the idolatry, and in particular, let's touch on the witchcraft. All right? This witchcraft is not what you think it is, brothers and sisters. Witchcraft is not what you think it is. All right? It's not what you think it is. But let's keep in mind how Peter warned us to be what? Sober. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be sober. Be vigilant. All right? So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, um, if we look at the – if we go to the Strong's Dictionary, the Strong's Accordance, where it gives you the, the, the breakdown of the words, all right? Uh, the Strong's Accordance gives you the breakdown of the words. In Galatians 5 and 20, the word witchcraft, it links to the, to the Strong's Concordance word, the Greek number 5331. All right, y'all can look it up. The Strong's Dictionary. Um, what, what Strong did, in case you don't, y'all, your studies aren't up, Strong is, is, was a researcher, all right, and he put together a dictionary. And the dictionary was the Hebrew and Greek dictionary. And what he did was he went and researched the Old Testament, and he researched the words that were used in the Old Testament to be, trans- to be translated into English for, in the Hebrew, because the Old Testament was pretty much written in Hebrew, all right, in the Paleo-Hebrew. The New Testament was pretty much written in Greek. So for the words that Paul used, or whoever wrote the letters of the New Testament, the, the, the books of the New Testament, Strong went and looked up those words, and he organized all these words into a dictionary, and we call it the Strong's Dictionary. So when we look at the word, for example, in Galatians chapter 5, verse verse 20, the word idolatry, you can find that in the Strong's Greek uh, numbering system of the Greek number 1495. That's where idolatry. I don't want to go there, but you can, on your own. For the word witchcraft, it, it goes to the Strong's number G5331, all right, which stands for the Greek word or the Greek um, number, uh, not number, but um, uh, uh, what's the word I want to use? Reference code, I guess, uh, of the Greek uh, word 5331. All right, so we're going to look up the Greek word, the Greek Strong's number 5331. All right, check this out. For witchcraft, the transliteration for witchcraft is pharmakia. Did y'all catch that? The Greek, the English word witchcraft is actually translated, transliterated from the Greek word. Pharmakia. Now, does that kind of sound like pharmacy? Witchcraft? The English word witchcraft goes back to the Greek word pharmakia? Pharmakia. I'm saying it wrong. Now, the definition of pharmakia. Pharmakia. The definition is number one, the, the use or the, administer, the administering of drugs. I, I know this might be mind blowing for a lot of people, especially when you don't pay attention to, to class and you just kind of catch things. However, the English word witchcraft in the Bible, from, from the Strong's Concordance, goes back to the Greek word Greek 
um, uh, entry G551. G551 is transliterated as pharmacaia. The first definition of this is the use or the administrating, administering of drugs. The second definition of pharmacaia, which is translated to the English word witchcraft, is poisoning. The third definition for pharmacaia, the Greek word pharmacaia, which was translated to the English word witchcraft in the Bible, is sorcery, magical arts, often found in connection with idolatry and fostered by it. So witchcraft, the English word witchcraft, comes from the Greek word pharmakia, which means the use or the administering of drugs, poisoning. The English word witchcraft in the King James Bible is also defined as sorcery, magical arts, often found in connection with idolatry and fostered by it. All right? And then number four, the fourth definition for pharmakia, which translates to the English word witchcraft, is a metaphor. The deceptions and, sed- and seductions of idolatry. Deceptions and seductions of idolatry. All right? The Greek, the Strong's Concordance, uh, uh, the Strong's Concordance entry, G5351, is from G5332. Um, the Strong's, and the etymology of Strong's entry, G5332, is medication or pharmacy. That is, by, by extension, magic, literal or figurative, sorcery or witchcraft. So, the way uh, Paul Today we use the word witchcraft in English when we talk about the Bible. But what Paul was talking about was the use of drugs, which is also sorcery, which is magical arts, which is in connection with idolatry, which is in connection with meditation, pharmacy, that is by extension, magic, literal or figurative, Sorcery or witchcraft. So here we have Peter warning us about being sober. The, the, how do you say it? How, how did Peter say it? In First Peter chapter 4, verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Then he comes back a chapter later, First Peter 5 and 8. Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. And Paul is telling us that the works of the flesh are these, I, and jump down to verse 20 from Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, idolatry and witchcraft. And what is witchcraft? In the way Paul meant it then, not how you mean it today, but how Paul meant it when he used this word, pharmakia, pharmacy, using drugs. Sorcery, all right? That all these were associated with the same thing, all right? 
When we read the Bible in basic English, when we read Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, from the Bible in basic English, this is what it says here. All right, we got the King James, but let's see what it says for the Bible in basic English. Worship of images. All right? Worship of the flesh is to be worshiping of images. And particularly, we're going to get to this, brother and sister, when you, when, when you give into your dreams and you let your life be led by your dreams, by your imagination, that's witchcraft. But let, let, I'll, I'll put your hand on myself. Worshiping of images. All right, from the Bible of basic English, Galatians chapter 5, verse 20. Worship of, image, worship of images. Use of strange powers. Hates, fighting, desire for what another has. Angry feelings. Attempts to get the better of others. Divisions and false teachings. All right? So I just want to bring out or point out to you that you can look it up for the Bible in basic English, for Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, that where King James uses the word witchcraft, the Bible in basic English uses this term, Use of strange powers. In association with what? Drug use. That it won't keep your mind sober. And I sort of mean a little bit. Even you not being sober and that you want to give into your dreams and your visions of your mind and what you come up with as opposed to God's word. Right? Now, another version of the Bible that I'd like to, like to pull from is called the Exegesis Ready Research Bible. I have the exegesis, and that's E-X-E-G-E-S-E-S. The exegesis ready research Bible. Alright? The exegesis ready research Bible. Guess what, y'all? It's a research Bible. For those who like to research. Those who want to get right with God. You want to get your study game up. Cool. Now from the now the exegesis ready research Bible, we're going to abbreviate that to E the E R R B. The ERRB. The ERRB is a version of the King James Version, the, K, the KJV of the Bible. It is considered an update of the, key, the, the KJV. It's an update, all right? The Exegesis Ready Research Bible. Now, this is what they have for Galatians chapter 5 verse 20 in this version of the Bible. The, e, the ERRB, idolatry. Witchcraft, pharmacy. And this, they translate, they actually translate it that you have idolatry, but then they have witchcraft, and right next to witchcraft, they have pharmacy. Then hatred and enmity, variance and contention, emulations, zeals, wrath and fury, strife and rivalry. Seditions, divisions, and heresies, right? That's from the Exegesis Ready Research Bible. They actually have translated and bring out to you that idolatry and the next is witchcraft and pharmacy, right? Pharmacy. Remember, we're supposed to be sober because the days are at hand, because the time is at hand. We're supposed to be sober. But the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. Be sober. Let's not be used the works of the flesh, which is witchcraft, which is pharmacia, 
which is the use of administering drugs, which is sorcery, which is magical arts, which is often found in connection with idolatry and is fostered by it. All right? The, from the, the Bible in basic English, let's not be using the use of strange powers. From the, e, the ERRB, the Exegesis Ready Research Bible, Witchcraft and Pharmacy. Now, here's one that, that I got from the brother Gabar Yala out there in, uh, in Florida. Uh, the Jonathan Mitchell New Testament. The Jonathan Mitchell New Testament. The J-M-M-T. And you can download all the, these modules from the Eastward um, uh, uh, Bible, uh, uh, Bible resource. It's free. That's eastward.org. You can download it onto your desktop. They have they have uh, they also have it on on uh, iPhones and Androids. It's under uh, My Sword. Uh, you can download it, but you can you can download all these different Bibles. All right. So from the JMNT, when the word idolatry is used, he goes into further research of understanding what these what 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 these words mean. So for idolatry, he defines it being a servant to or worshiping. External forms or appearances. Are y'all hearing this? He defines and goes further to the definition for idolatry is being a servant to worshiping external forms or appearances. Remember how Paul came back and tried to warn us and said we're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight? Remember how, 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 how uh, the writer of Hebrews would tell us that faith is the evidence of things not seen? How many people today have been so influenced by this pagan, pagan idol and pagan rituals that you can't believe it till you see it? You know, my brother-in-law, Shemaiwan, uh, shout out to him, Most High and Christ Crest, Most High and Christ Bless. After going home uh, celebration, uh, he was going over some scriptures about uh, for, for his mother. Did an excellent job, beautiful job, great understanding. Um, he was trying to give people an understanding that, like when Paul told us that there's a, a celestial world and there's a terrestrial world, that there's a spiritual world that is just as real as the terrestrial world or the earthly world that we live in today. That, but just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And then the example that he used, which was, was beautiful, was... Many of us might have remote controls. You may have a remote control that you use to operate your television. How is that remote control able to operate that television? Because the, 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 whatever is being used is invisible. You can't see how that remote control is being, can actually turn the channels, turn the volume down, turn the volume up, mute. Just because it's invisible doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And he used the example of a remote control. Use the example of a telephone, cell phones, that you can literally, standing wherever you're at right now, can call across, all the way across the other side of the, of the world to somebody in China, and, and it'll be as if they're standing right there next to you. You can't see how it's being done, but it, it, it does, doesn't, doesn't mean that it's not real. You said, air, you can't see it, but hold your breath. And stop breathing and see how much how bad you need it then. 
that just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's, it's not real. But how many people, you live, we live our lives today, I have to see it before I believe it. Do you understand from, from when the Bible was written, these letters were written, idolatry is not talking about just, I, I, we've been taught to believe in, in, in if you have a church background, that idolatry is like a Grammy Award. Idolatry is, uh, I got to have a Rolls Royce. I got to have a Maybach. I got to have a, a, a Range Rover. I got to have a Maserati. And that those are idols that people, no, 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 no. If we get an understanding what, what, what the authors, the original authors of the Bible were saying, idolatry is being a servant to or worshiping external forms or appearances. You worship something you can see because you can see it. You put all faith and you shape your mind to honor that because you see it. That's idolatry. And we've been over this in this same series. We've been over this, that stubbornness is idolatry. You being stubborn about it's because of what you see and how you feel and then it's going to change you because of how you see and how you feel things. That stubbornness, which is idolatry, which is witchcraft. But idolatry, from Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, from the Jonathan Mitchell New Testament, idolatry, being a servant to or worshiping external forms or appearances, phantoms of the mind. Idolatry is a phantom of your mind, something that you put together in your own head is idolatry. Unsubstantial or reflected images or conveyed impressions. You got an impression in your mind, and then that, that's all that you can go by is by what's being impressed upon your mind. That's idolatry, y'all. But Peter was trying to warn us about being sober. Reading on with the Jonathan Mitchell New Testament. Sorcery. Which, you know, witchcraft, another name for witchcraft is sorcery. And he goes, it breaks it down. Employment of drugs and enchantments. So to define sorcery, where he's also defining witchcraft, sorcery, witchcraft is the employment of drugs and enchantments. Magical rites. Witchcraft. That's sorcery. That is a form of witchcraft. The employment of drugs. Now, um, magic. Did you catch that? Magic and his rights. Now, you can join me. You can look it up using, using that invisible World Wide Web called Google, called Yahoo Search, or whatever search engine you want to use in the Smith Bible Dictionary. The Smith Bible Dictionary. Look up the word magic with the Smith Bible Dictionary. That's what I'm going to read from right now. From the Smith Bible Dictionary, looking at the word magic, since magic is associated with witchcraft, sorcery, with the employment of drugs and enchantments. All right, magic from the Smith Bible Dictionary. Magic is magic is the science or practice of evoking spirits and inducing the occult powers of nature 
to produce effects apparently supernatural. The science or practice of evoking spirits or inducing the occult powers of nature to produce effects apparently supernatural. This is what drugs do to make things seem supernatural, to give you the appearance, to give you the, the things that you get, get can, can conjure up in your mind. Reading on with the definition. It formed an essential element in many ancient religions. Magic formed an essential element in many ancient religions, especially among the Persians, Chaldeans, and Egyptians. Did y'all catch where magic, sorcery, witchcraft, pharmacy, pharmacia, where it was prominent, and, and which ancient religions it was prominent with? The Persians, the Chaldeans, and Egyptians. Not just the fact that the magicians came up against Moses uh, in, in Exodus, the drugs that these magicians were using to tap into a spiritual realm, to evoke supernatural things. All right? The definition is long. So I, I just want to get that part right there. Um, Jumping down to just an article I pulled up, and y'all can feel free, please feel feel free go read go read that whole article. I just want to pull out that that excerpt right there from that from that definition from the Smith Bible Dictionary. Now you can do this this research here also. You can go look this up here on your own also. Drugs in ancient cultures: a history of drugs, of drug use, and its effects. All right, you can look this up. Let me let me let me let me do that for you. Let me make sure I got the right website. Copy. So I have this in my notes. Right? I have this in my notes. So let me go ahead and pull this up. Um, I want to use. I'll use this one right here. And I use Google. Here it is. For uh, a website called Ancient Origins. Right? A website called Ancient Origins. And what I looked up is drugs and ancient cultures, a history of drug use and effects, right? A history of drug use and effects from the website Ancient Origins, right? From the website Ancient, or ancient Origins, all right? Reading from this article in the, on, in this web, on, on this webpage, drugs and ancient cultures, a history of drug use and effects. Archaeological evidence shows that humans were taking opium and magic mushrooms as far back as 10,000 years ago. Some scholars even believe that a few notable Greeks, like Pythagoras, couldn't have come up with their genius theories and philosophies without some form of drug use. Drug use has been around and has been a part of damn near every ancient religion. 
And some of the drugs that were used in particular that, are now, that were associated with witchcraft, with sorcery, with magic, with, 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 with seeing things that appear to your mind that made sense to you, opium and magic mushrooms. Y'all can read this on you. Y'all can go read this on your own. Remember, Peter, the one who had the keys to the kingdom of heaven, was telling us, better be sober. The end is at hand. Be sober. You have to say that the devil is going about seeking whom he may devour. And to find out now that witchcraft comes from the Greek word pharmacia, which is pharmacy, which is sorcery, which is magic and the use of drugs. So that a person might go by things that come to their mind and be influenced by that. Come on, y'all. Come on. It says, reading on, texts from ancient history suggest that there may be truth in these claims. This article focuses on the various drugs used in ancient culture, as well as highlighting the importance of modern-day drug rehabilitation from state-funded rehab centers to luxury centers. Now, some other drugs that were used in ancient times, besides the opium and besides the, the uh, magic mushrooms, we're going to get into it, is a drug called Harmal. Right, a drug called Harmal. And it says here, Harmal was commonly used by West Indian, Iranian, and Andean cultures. We covered a little bit of this last night, brothers and sisters. A little bit of recap. Harmal was commonly used by West Indian, Iranian, and Andean cultures. West Indian, that's the with Elam. That's Asia. With the shamans. With the Sikhs with all the yoga and all the yoga poses. Iran and the Andean cultures of South America. Interestingly, interestingly, it was recently discovered in the hair of an adult male mummy and a mummified one-year-old baby in northern Chile. The older male was buried with snuffing trays and pipes, which may have been used to consume the drug. The remains are believed to be from 800 to 1200 AD. This is long before the so-called white man got over here. This is long before Columbus and Murder Incorporated got over here. That he was in South America, that the Israelites that came over here was heavily involved in sorcery, in witchcraft, in idolatry, and in drug use following what they learned from the nations over there in the Middle East, over there in Mesopotamia, over there in Asia and in Europe, even from the Egyptians that were using opium and magic mushrooms, right? Harmal is a flowering plant that can be converted to the chemical Carmine, through a distillation process. The chemical works as a strong antidepressant. So what's a strong antidepressant? It's a stimulant. 
Yeah. How, how, how did I, uh, um, it gets you going? It, it was a JD song with a, with a, uh, with a Kanye. Was it Niggas in Paris? When, he, when, he, um, uh, that one, you know, my comedian, uh, it gets you going, it gets you pumped. That's what an antidepressant is. And has the ability to magnify the effects of other antidepressants. So if you're already taking one type of antidepressant, whatever that might be, you take hormone, it's going to increase. It's going to boost the effects of other antidepressants to really get you going. This was practiced in the religions of all these other cultures. It can also be used in the treatment of inflammation and fever. Hormone seeds are available in most Iranian and Middle Eastern grocery stores. Guess what number two is, y'all? If you didn't hear yesterday, I'm pretty sure you can, you can probably guess what number two is that was used in drug use among the ancient religions that is called witchcraft, which is called pharmacia, which is called pharmacy, which is called magic. Cannabis. The wider world is certainly no stranger, stranger to this drug. With thousands of cannabis legalization debates taking place across the globe, However, it has been in use for thousands of years and believed to have been used in ancient, in ancient Central and South Asia. Are y'all hearing this? And is it something else that Paul and the apostles were traveling in Asia, in Europe? The seven churches that Christ is referring to in in, uh, in Revelation chapter two. A two thousand seven year old grave in western China, western China, exhibits the most recent evidence of the drug being used as a psychoactive substance in ancient times. Around seven hundred eighty nine grams or 1.7 pounds of the substance was found in the shaman's grave. One and a half pounds of cannabis was found in a shaman's grave. Were the works, it says were, the works of Shakespeare inspired by cannabis? Scientists find traces of drugs on pipes. Secret chamber found at Scythian burial mound reveals golden treasure of drug-fueled rituals. Scythian. Remember Acts chapter 2, where there, there, there was a contingent of Jews that was there for the, for the Pentecost? Of devout Jews that had been traveling back to Jerusalem to keep the high holiday of Pentecost? They were, from, they were from as far away as Scythia also. And what was found in Scythia? A golden treasure of drug-fueled rituals. Cannabis, a journey through the ages. Cannabis was cultivated in the past uh, for its hemp fiber, but it has also been used as uh, uh, medi- uh, medication, as a uh, mediation 
and a painkiller by Sikhs for generations. That's Haji with the dot in forehead. Although cannabis is still elite, they're the ones who brought cannabis to Jamaica. Talk about Jaras the Far Eye. Remember, here's a little tidbit. And you don't go research this. It's not in this article. You can go research it. The reason the Jamaicans and Rastafarians call it ganja is because the East Indians, when they brought their their curry, weed, high, nasty, matted, true dreadlocked ass, non-washing asses to Jamaican and West Indies, cannabis grows pretty freely over there at the Ganges River in India. So they brought the plant and the seeds to Jamaica with their crazy worship of just getting high, getting blowed, and they called it ganja after the Ganges River where they are originally from. Where they, they've been using this practice of cannabis for thousands of years. Witchcraft, sorcery. Although cannabis is still illegal in a majority of places, there are instances of medical legalization due to its use as treatment for glaucoma and increasing the body's appetite. Oh, to increase the body's appetite. Why would these ancient religions want to take a drug to increase the appetite? Hmm. The number three drug that was used in ancient times by ancient religions and by pagans is nutmeg. Ancient Indian and Asian cultures were prone to using nutmeg recreationally, where it is mostly regarded as a cooking ingredient today. Nutmeg is useful in the treatment of asthma and heart uh, complaints. It also serves as a sedative. Many ancient cultures believe that the spice had special or magical powers. Nutmeg, use recreation, special or magical powers. Regular water mixed with nutmeg has also been used as a substitute for decades and was even used by Malcolm X. Remember Malcolm X was thrown in prison? And when the, the Muslim first approached him, that he was, he, was, he was going through withdrawals. He was going through his heroin withdrawals and needed a fix. Because his body was craving heroin so bad. That Muslim brother, so-called Muslim brother, gave him a glass of water with nutmeg in it. And it helped him get over the sickness of the withdrawals from heroin. This was used in ancient religions of Asia, very heavily pagan. And this is what Paul was referring to when he said witchcraft, sorcery, pharmacia, pharmacy, the use of drugs, magic. Evoking supernatural things. 
Nutmeg. Overdose on nutmeg has very strong side effects, though it's worth remembering that moderation is key, especially as you can find a nutmeg in any local superstore or supermarket. Let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this. Um, let me make sure I gave the website where y'all can find this. Let me copy-paste again. Kill that. Paste this. Search. Well, you can look it up, y'all. Nutmeg. Uh, can, can nutmeg cause a high? Let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this. One point, and this was, what was this called? Give me this. Give me this right here. Harmal. Harmal. Number one, Harmal. Number two, Have a C A N N A P I S. Give it to me. Yeah, y- y- y'all can find it's the same in the same article. Ancient origins, ancient origins, drugs and ancient cultures, a history of drug use and its effects. It's, it's in the same place. Same. It's all in the same article. Okay, so getting back to my word document. That was cannabis. Nutmeg, cocoa leaf. What's that? I get high for the cocoa. Cocaine. Teacher, get the yayo. Cocoa leaf. Cocoa leaf was chewed and and brewed in into tea for consumption by the Mayans, due to its powerful stimulating effects. This was long before the idea of distilling the plant into a strong cup of coffee had been conceived. The drug is very potent. A mere 100 grams of cocoa plant uh, leaves contain the daily recommended uh, intake for vitamins, iron, phosphorus, calcium, and iron. Cocoa leaves can be found in Medellin and other parts of Southern America. Um, Psilocybin, number five. Psilocybin was used by ancient people in the Saharan Desert as well as through Central and South American cultures. Also known as magic mushrooms, they have been found in North American uh, murals dated anywhere from 9,000 to 7,000 B.C. Eating magic mushrooms is known to cause nausea and hallucinations. Watch which were uh, warmly embraced by ancient users as they believed it offered them access to higher levels of intelligence. It offered them access to higher levels of intelligence. It is widely believed by drug history students that the hallucinations caused by magic mushrooms led to some of the most famous religious and cultural evolutions of our entire species. Number six, opium. Opium is undoubtedly the most widely used drug 
in ancient history. I'm going to read that one more time. Opium is undoubtedly the most widely used drug in ancient history. The history of opium is long and complex, but scholars believe it was first cultivated by Sumerians in 3400 B.C. Y'all, uh, come on, so the Sumerians, right? First cultivated by Sumerians? When? In um, 3400 B.C.? Let me, let me take a let, let, Let's try something. Let, let me see something. Let me see something. Which my mind ain't playing tricks on me. Um, and the end of the kingdom was Babel, uh, Erech in the five, Cana in the land of Sinai. All right, my bad. Sumer. Let me, let me find out. Where is ancient Sumer? Let's, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Where is ancient Sumer? Where is ancient Sumer located on the map? Ancient Sumer is located in, oh my goodness, y'all. I kind of knew it. I think y'all know it too. Ancient Sumer was located in Mesopotamia, near the Syrian desert. It was in the southernmost part of Mesopotamia, between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, the area that later became Babylonia and is now southern Iraq, is where Sumer was located. Is it coincidence, brothers and sisters, that Sumer happens to be also from 3,400 years ago when they said opium use was first cultivated, first started being used, happens to also be right smack dab in the middle of the capital of what Nimrod built called the, the Empire of Babylon? Come on, y'all. The Empire of Babylon. And when we go back to the Bible, um, in Genesis chapter 10, I'm going to start at verse 8. Genesis chapter 10 and verse 8. And Cush began Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Before it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. That was the beginning of his kingdom, Babel, which became Babylon. All right, Babel. But it was also Erech and Akkad, which in Hebrew is Akkad, which is the first, Babel. You know, go also to the Akkadians. But let me not jump too far ahead of myself. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, and Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar. Out of that land went forth Ashur, which is what? Assyria. And built it Nineveh, and the city um, Nebuoth and Kalah, and resident between Nineveh and Kalah, the same as a great city. This was all of, of Nimrod's empire, Babylon, including Assyria, but all these other cities that he introduced the use of opium in his, relig in his religious philosophies. Come on, y'all. Come on. This, this, this ain't that hard. Opium is undoubtedly the most widely used drug in ancient history. 
The history of opium is long and complex, but scholars believe it was first cultivated by Sumerians in 3400 B.C. That is is when Nimrod started to reign. Some of the ancient users of the drug include Romans, Greeks, Indians, Egyptians, Assyrians, as well as the Sumerians. Opium is derived from the latex found in the husk of the poppy flower. This latex contains morphine, which is the active ingredient in the drug. Historically, the drug was used to to provide pain relief, induce sleep, cure diarrhea, and improve libido. Come on, all, all these all these effects, all, all these effects, morphine, which is where, where um, what's that fentanyl comes? Is, is it a derivative of, of the same crap? Opioids, and it's also used to induce sleep and to improve libido. Improve libido. It was popular among Romans, Greeks. Indians, Egyptians, and Assyrians, and as well as Sumerians. Remember, be sober. The end is near. The end is at hand. Be sober. The words of the flesh, flesh, idolatry, witchcraft, sorcery, magic, drug use, pharmacia. And all these can be related to Nimrod, to Baal, to all the sex, fertility, gods, and goddesses of every society that's been on the planet Earth from the days of the flood. We find these same rituals and same practices and from among the Norse mythologies, Greek mythologies, Roman mythologies, the Aztec mythologies, the Mayan mythologies, in East India, in China, in Japan, it's, 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 it has reached all over the world. Reading on with this article, prehistoric people use hallucinogens as part of sacred burial rituals. Archaeological study explore, explores drug taking and altered states in prehistory. Medical marijuana, modern uh, hunter-gatherers may use cannabis to treat intestinal infections. The drug is produced in, uh, into derivatives like heroin today, while the flowers can be uh, turned into a potent tea. Afghanistan is the largest producer of opium poppies. Production levels have remained high even with present-day anti-drug beliefs and Middle Eastern political turmoil. Come on, y'all. Number seven, the Blue Lotus. The Blue Lotus, L-O-T-U-S, the Blue Lotus. Blue Lotus was a favorite amongst ancient Egyptians. Remember how the most I told the Israelites, not to learn the ways of the heathen? That, and, and not to be particulars of what the Egyptians were doing and what the Canaanites were doing. One, one, of, one of the things that, that was heavy 
during the, while living in Egypt was the use of drugs and the ancient Egyptian religions and the worship of all the, the pantheon of gods among the Egyptians. That, that, that is what the Most High was attacking with the plagues. He was attacking the gods and the religions worshipped in Egypt. Part of this worship was witchcraft, uh, sorcery, magic, the use of drugs, hallucinogens, and trying to get a, a higher spiritual intelligence. Come on, y'all. Blue Lotus. Blue Lotus. Blue Lotus, Lotus was a favorite among ancient Egyptians. The drug tends to put users in a more talkative, relaxed, and even in some cases, aroused mood. Remember how Dionysus and, and, and Bacchus, it was all about letting go, being liberal? That Bacchus was called Libra for liberal, letting yourself go, getting outside of your body, letting go of your inhibitions. Come on, y'all. Isis, Osiris, Ra, all the pantheon of gods from the Egyptians, the fertility goddesses, the second of Ra, Tammuz. The drug tends to put users in a more talkative, relaxed, and even in some cases, aroused mood. Although modern users point to its blissful sleep, blissful sleep, it can, it, it, can, it can provide as one of the key reasons of its popularity. The chief method of consumption is brewing the flowers into tea or alcohol. <laughs> which enhances the potency of the active chemicals in the lotus flower. The drug is known to cause a state of mental weariness, as alluded to by Homer in the Odyssey. When Odysseus consumed the plant, he lost his desire to fight the Greek gods and continue his journey back to Ithaca. Blue lotus is perhaps the most common on this list and can be found for sale in thousands of different locations online. That's crazy. These are but a handful of the drugs when they existed. Oh, I'm sorry. These are but a handful of the drugs which have existed for much longer than our current modern menu. Chances are they will probably still exist thousands of years after we are gone uh, but so, too, will the often debilitating side effects for its addicted users. All right, brothers and sisters. Let's now go back to Revelation chapter 2. That I wanted to, I wanted to be able to see how this witchcraft, sorcery, that is related to drug use, and that it was prominent among, obviously in Rome and in Galatia and in Thessalonica uh, and all the places of other New Testament that the apostles traveled to, but it was also real prevalent and real, real and heavy among the religions of the ancient, particularly Babylon, particularly Canaan, and even among, remember we were dealing with Jezebel, so let's, let's, let's cover that for a second. 
Going back to Revelation chapter 2, and verse 18. Let me go back here in my notes. In Revelation chapter 2, this is the message of Christ to the church that was uh, at Thyatria. And we, put, we covered a lot of this yesterday with the brother of the Barkawa. I just want to touch on this again today. We're going to move forward. To the church at Thyatira. To the church in Thyatira. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18 through 21. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira, right? This thing says the Son of God, who has his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know that works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. We was covering some of this yesterday, brothers and sisters, about the Thyateria from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. We covered that yesterday. And we, we got some uh, articles, some um, online articles about what was going on in Thyateria. Thyatira was known for its wealth and for some of the gods that were being worshipped in Thyatira. We covered that yesterday. But we want to get to Christ himself mentioning Jezebel. What was going on? Who is Jezebel that Christ had this, this female mentioned in Revelation chapter 2 when she was the heathen Hittite wife? of Ahab, who was the most wicked king in all of Israel, all right? What was her influence? What was, what, what was her influence over Ahab that even now up until in Revelation chapter 2, to the churches that, that were, these were Israelites, these were the churches that were, were, were Christian, but they still had this influence from the effects of Jezebel even in Revelation, the second chapter, it, 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 it was that far reaching, which we know does still reach further back, going all the way back to Nimrod. And influence throughout, throughout time, throughout the societies where names have changed, but the rituals and the practices are still the same. All right? So, picking back up now from the International Standard Bible this, um, Encyclopedia, the International Standard uh, Bible Encyclopedia. I'm going to the third article about Jezebel and her character. About Jezebel and her character. Um, Jezebel. Jezebel's character. Article number three. The character of Jezebel is seen revived in that of her daughter, Athaliah of Judah, in 2 Kings chapter 11. There is no doubt that Jezebel was a powerful personality. She brought the worship of the Phoenician Baal and Astarte with her into, the, into Hebrew life. Remember, she wasn't even an Israelite. And part of Ahab's wickedness that was above all the wickedness of anybody that was before him, that got God more angry than any king before him, was some of the practices, some of the things that Jezebel was allowed to bring right smack dab into Israel. 
and to influence the king. That now Christ is talking about there's this influence from Jezebel, even at the church that was at Thyatria, and Thyatria was known for its wealth, being a mighty commercial state. But there was still an influence that she was allowed to bring, that she brought the, the influence of Baal into the Hebrew life, the worshiping of Baal. All right, reading on. And Astarte, let's not forget that. And indirectly introduced it into Judah as well as into the northern kingdom. On the other hand, although much may be said that would be favorable to Jezebel from the religious standpoint, the balance is heavy against her when we re remember her successful plot against Nabat. Now, this is where it gets interesting, brothers and sisters. We went over yesterday that part of the works of the flesh is extortion, thievery. We're going to find out that this, now remember, Thyateria was known for its wealth. It was known for its wealth and its optimism, for its luxury, being a commercial state, a commercial place. With a lot of merchandise, dealing with a lot of, 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 of the love of money, the love of gain. All right? Now, we're reading from the, the International Standard Bible Dictionary, from the third article about, about Jezebel, her character, um, about her successful plot against Naboth. So let's go read about what did this trick do in being, what did this trick do in influencing Ahab that the same similar influences were still present in Revelation chapter 2. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 21, and we're going to read verses 1 through 16. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through 16. And it says, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So this brother Naboth had a huge vineyard that was right next to Ahab's palace. All right? Remember, Ahab was the king at the time in Samaria, northern kingdom. Verse 2, and Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs. Now, this is, brothers and sisters, I could easily make this a four-hour class today, but I'm not. For Ahab to be married to uh, Jezebel, and she introduced the worship of Baal, who part of his worship was dealing with drugs. Why would Ahab, we had to, I mean, kind of read between the lines. You want, you want, Ahab wants the boss vineyard to plant herbs? I hope y'all ain't thinking of talking about some rosemary or some dill. That ain't the herbs he's talking about. Yeah, I know that one you think about, no, well, maybe, maybe some nutmeg. But not for no mint leaves. And, and following Jezebel and her influence, good Lord, I'm looking at my times getting, getting shorter. Damn. Because it is near unto my house. And I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or 
if it seem good unto thee, I will give thee the worst of it in money. Verse 3, and the boss said to Ahab, the Lord forbid me it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. You know the law of Moses. We can't give away our fathers. We can't give away our land. We can't do that. That's against the law of Moses. That's against God's righteousness. I can't do that for the most I say. Verse 4, and Ahab, became, and Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which the boss, the Jezreelite, had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would, not, and would eat no bread. This dude got depressed. Ahab got depressed because he couldn't get this vineyard to plant these herbs. Verse 5, who, and remember, he was married to Jezebel, who was heavy into Baal and Astarte worship. Verse 5, but Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? And he said unto her, Because I spake unto Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said unto him, Give me the vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Dost thou, dost, Doest thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise and eat bread, and let thy heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Verse 8. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, and sealed them with his seal, and sent the letters unto the elders and unto the nobles that were in his city, dwelling with Naboth. And she wrote in the letter, saying, Proclaim a fast, and let Naboth, and set Naboth a high among the peoples, and set two men, sons of Belial, before him to bear witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. And the men of the city, even the elders and the nobles who were with the inhabitants in this city, did as Jezebel had sent unto them, and as it was written in the letters which she had sent unto them. First Kings 21 and 12. They proclaimed a fast and set Naboth on high among the people. And they came in two men, children of Bilal, and set before him. And the men of Bilal witnessed against him, even against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth is stoned and is dead. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give thee for money. For Naboth is not alive, but dead. Verse 16. And it came to pass when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab rose up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. 
So this is what happened. This is the plot she came up with. While this King Ahab is being led by her, being led by the worship of Baal, and all that entails to where now this plan came up to have Nabal killed, so he takes possession of his land. Now, this would, now remember, this influence that Jezebel had over the king, Ahab, Christ referring to the influence that, that Jezebel has at the church of Thyatria, gaining wealth, gaining more. All right? Going back now to the International Standard Bible, Bible Encyclopedia. Now I'm going to read definition number two, article number two. I read three about Jezebel's character. But now let's read about Jezebel. We're going to the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia under Jezebel, and we're going to read article number two. And it, started, and it says, Jezebel's plot against Nabat from 1 Ahab expressed a desire to possess the vineyard, neighboring upon uh, his palace in Jezreel owned by Nabat, who refuses to part with the family inheritance, uh, though, offered either, though offered either its money value or a better venue in exchange. Ahab is depressed at this, and Jezebel, about finding the cause of his melancholy feelings, uh, uh, asks him sarcastically if he, is not, if he is not king, suggesting that as king, his wishes should be immediately granted by his subjects. She thereupon plans a plot to secure him the box vineyard. Jezebel uh, sends letters still in Ahab's name to the elders of Naboth's township and bids them arrange a public fast and make Naboth to sit at the head of the, of the people, uh, a phrase taken by son to mean that he is to be um, arraigned, while it is explained by others as meaning that Naboth is to be given the chief place. Two witnesses, a sufficient number for that purpose, are to be brought to accuse Naboth of blasphemy and treason. This is done, and Naboth is found guilty and stoned to death. The property is confiscated and falls into the king. First Kings chapter 21, verse 1 through 16. Now, we just read that. Now, if we're looking at what she did and came up with and conspired to do in order to gain more land, in order to gain more, all right? Let's go to First Timothy chapter 6, verse 5. Let's go to First Timothy chapter 6, verse 5. It says, now remember, she was also a worshiper of Baal. We're going to get to that. But why is it at Thyateria, which was known to be a wealthy city, which was known for its opulence and being a commercial, a commercial center that one of the things that was going on was being influenced by Jezebel. And what did Jezebel conspire to do? How to get more wealth, how to get more land, how to acquire more. So now we have First Timothy chapter 6, verse, 6, verse 5, which reads, Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such, withdraw thyself. So the influence that Jezebel was having in Revelation chapter 2 at the city of Thyatira was the supposed, and this is among Israelites where Christ himself said, I know your works, your patience, your charity. 
I know what you're doing. You, and your first works, your last works are, are even more than your first works. But I got somewhat against you because you're still being influenced by this, this providence who calls Jezebel, who is causing my people to commit fornication. These were Israelites, but they were still being marked. They were committing fornication after what Jezebel did. Supposing that gain is godliness. First Timothy six and five. From such withdraw yourself. Verse six. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced itself through with many sorrows. Brothers and sisters, are we not seeing this? What, 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 what happened with Ahab? I, I, didn't, I didn't put this in this class, but Matthew chapter 13, when Christ talked about how the cares of this world, the, the, I got to get it. Damn. I'm saying damn only because my time is going to run out and there's so much I'm going to get to. But I know we had, we had to cover this. So it's all good. It's all in the most high hands. Let patience have a perfect work, right? Matthew chapter 13. I want to get it here, but we're going to get it in several other places. Um, Matthew chapter 13, I'm verse 18. He therefore, the parable of the sower. When any man heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that receives the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and not with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but endureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. He, uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns, is he that heareth the word, and the, cares, the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Did y'all catch that, y'all? Again, this is the words of Christ. These are the words of Christ. Um, and Luke, chapter 8, verse 14. In Luke chapter verse fourteen, it says, "And that that which is that that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection." Uh, it's all right here in black and white. It's right here in black and white. Christ said it. He that receives seed among the thorns, and he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, 
choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. That was my 92nd call, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going just a little bit further. Luke chapter 8, verse 14. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard the word, heard, go forth, and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. I was going to sit here and act like we don't, that this is, this is not what Christ is addressing to the church of Thyatira, of being influenced by Jezebel, the city of wealth. That you have Israelites, Christians, Christian Israelites, but the one thing Christ had against them, they were still following the, the, the influence of Jezebel. That gain is godliness. And he said, that's the one that I still got against you. And you won't stop this, 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 this teaching. You won't stop this woman. You won't stop this doctrine. Y'all won't stop it. I got that against y'all. Y'all got some good works. But y'all are still caught up heavily into gain is godliness. I got 10 seconds left. I'm going to keep reading. Uh, catch the if you have if you're on the computer it's gonna shut down right now, but if you call in or if you're catching this on on the uh, uh, from the library at www.blogtalkradio.com we're gonna continue or if you're catching that Google podcast under um, um, ISBHBK Bible Talk this is, it, it, there's not gonna be any any interruptions but if for anybody who was listening live through the web browser instead of calling in then the show got cut off. But it, I'm obviously going to continue it, all right? Now I'm going to Antiquities of the Jews, Book 8, Chapter 13. Antiquities of the Jews, Book 8, Chapter 13. All right, this is in the Josephus now. All right, we're going to, get, get, we're going to read this now from the Josephus. Antiquities of the Jews, Book 8, Chapter 13. And it says, How Ahab, when he had taken Jezebel to wife, became more wicked than all the kings that had been before him of the actions of the prophet Elijah and what befell the boss. Okay? Do I need to end this right here and try and come back with this on Monday? Nope. I'm in the spirit right now. Let me keep it going. All right. Uh, so, Antiquities of the Jews, Book 8, Chapter 13, Paragraph 1. Now, Ahab the king of Israel dwelt in Samaria and had a government for 22 years and made and made no alteration in the conduct of the kings that were his predecessors, but only in such things as were to his own invention, of his own invention uh, for the worse. So he didn't change anything of the wicked kings that were before him. All he did was make things better or worse as far as him and his relationship with, with the Most High. Reading on, and in his most gross wickedness, he imitated them in their wicked courses and in their injurious behavior towards God, especially he imitated the transgressions of Jeroboam. We're going to cover that. For he worshiped the heifers that he had made, and he contrived on her, on other absurd objects of worship besides those heifers. Now, what does this mean? Who was Jeroboam and what were these heifers? That he was more wicked than anybody else in Israel. Um, let's go to First Kings chapter 12 and verse 25. We're going to be going back and forth from the Josephus to the Bible. 
So now we got to get Jeroboam. What were these golden calves that Jeroboam set up that Ahab came back and did the exact same thing? All right. First Kings 7, 12, verse 25. Now we're going to read about Jeroboam. All right. First Kings 7, 12, verse 25. Then Jeroboam uh, built Shechem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein and went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up and do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. First Kings 12, verse 28. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold, thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and the other he set up in Dan, and the other he put in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. And he made an house of high places, and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not for the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month, on the 15th day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar, so did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. So Jeroboam, remember Jeroboam, after Solomon died, Solomon son of Rehoboam um, was the next king, next in line to be king. But because of Solomon's sins, the Lord had prophesied that the kingdom was going to be split, that it was no longer be, going to be the unified kingdom of Israel, but that the kingdom was going to be split into two kingdoms now. And it split into the northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. In the southern kingdom, you had Rehoboam, and the, uh, Benjamin and had the tribe of Levi. That was the southern kingdom called Judah. And the northern kingdom, um, the king, the first king was Jeroboam uh, with the other uh, nine and a half tribes. And Jeroboam came up with this plot that if the people go to the Feast of Tabernacles at Jerusalem, they're going to remember the Most High, and then they're going to go ahead and give back right to the Most High, and they'll come and kill me and my family. So let me set up these two calves, these two golden calves, these two golden bulls, one in Bethlehem, one in Dan, and let the people know, man, I'm looking out for your best interest. So you ain't got to travel all the way to Jerusalem. Look, I've got, for your convenience, for your convenience, i got a bull set up here in Bethel at the southern end of, of, of our kingdom, of the northern kingdom, and in the northern end of the kingdom, i got I got another bull set up in, um, in Dan. That way, for your convenience. So you ain't got to travel all the way down to Jerusalem Y'all can go ahead and just travel right here. Y'all can just travel, and, 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 and it's all good right here. What we're going to find out, brothers and sisters, is that these bulls that were set up, that it, it, it goes back to Baal worship, but it goes back to Nimrod worship. And I know I'm not going to be able to cover all that tonight. But let, let me read on. But so, so Ahab came back and rebuilt these calves that Jeroboam first set up to keep Israel from coming back to the Most High. 
and to go ahead and now get to the worship for their convenience and their pleasure, the worshiping of these calves. So we're going to find out the worship of these calves goes back to Baal, which goes back to Nimrod, which goes back to the drug use that was used for libido, that was used for, for uh, as stimulants, that was used for, for, for arousal, that was used for hallucinations, that was used for intoxication, that was used for fertility. Jeroboam set this up and tricked Israel, and Ahab and Jezebel came back and copied the exact same thing. Now, when we go to the Josephus, from the Josephus, we were just in Antiquity of the Jews, uh, Book 8, Chapter 13. But let's go back to, to Antiquities of the Jews, Book 8, Chapter 8, right? Let's go back to Antiquities of the Jews, Book 8, Chapter 8, how upon the death of Solomon, the people forsook his son, Rehoboam, and ordained Jeroboam king over the tribe. So now let's get the same history from Josephus. And I got to do a lot of reading tonight, brothers and sisters. I know I've gone past that two hours, but if we don't get to this, I'm never going to get past this series, right? So I'm jumping down to paragraph four. Antiquities of the Jews, book eight, chapter eight, paragraph four. All right. When therefore Jeroboam had built him built him a palace in the city Shechem, he dwelt there. He also built him another at Penuel, a city so called. And now the Feast of Tabernacles was approaching in a little time. Jeroboam considered that if he should permit the multitude to go to worship the Most High at Jerusalem, uh, and there to celebrate the festival, they would probably repent of what they had done and be enticed by the temple and by the worship of the Most High there performed and believe him and return to their first kings. And, and, and if so, he should run the risk of losing his own life. So he invented this contrivance. He made two golden heifers, and built two little temples uh, for them, the one in the city Bethel and the other in Dan, uh, which last was at the fountains of the Lesser Jordan. And he put the heifers into both the little temples and in aforementioned uh, cities. And when he had called those ten tribes together, Oba went home, he ruled. He made a speech to the people in these words. I suppose, my countrymen, that you know this, that every place which the most high that hath the most high in it, nor is it nor is there any one determinate place in which he is. But he everywhere hears and sees those that worship him. You hear what this dude saying? You know our God's so powerful, ain't he good? Won't he do it? God is good all the time, all the time God is good. He everywhere. He everywhere. You ain't got to go to one place to find God. Our God is everywhere. And God sees and hears everybody that worships him. On which account, I do not think it right for you to go so long a journey to Jerusalem, <laughs> which is in an enemy's land, enemy city, to worship him. It was a man that built the temple. I have also made two golden heifers. Dedicated to the same God. 
and the one of them I have consecrated <coughs> in the city of Bethel, and the other in Dan, to the end that those of you that dwell nearest those cities may go to them. I worship, worship the most high there, and I will ordain for you certain priests and Levites from among yourselves, that you may have no want of the tribe of Levi or of those sons of Aaron, but let him that is desirous among you of being a priest bring to God a bullock and a ram, which they say Aaron, the first priest, brought also. Hey, he's a man like you a man. And for your convenience, if you want to be a priest, you can be a priest now. You ain't got to go down there. I'm your man. I'm looking out for you. <laughs> when Jeroboam had said this, he deluded the people and made them to revolt from the worship of their forefathers and to transgress their laws. This was the beginning of miseries to the Hebrews and the cause why they were overcome in war by foreigners and so fell into captivity. But we shall relate those things in their proper places hereafter. Okay. So going back now to Antiquities of the Jews, Book 8, Chapter 13. Uh, where it says, in paragraph 1, just read it over again. Now, Ahab, the king of Israel, wrote in Samaria. Now we'll go back to Ahab. All right, now we're jumping, jumping in, in history back to Ahab, where we started, the, the husband of Jezebel. Now, Ahab, the king of Israel, wrote in Samaria and held the government for 22 years. And he made no uh, alteration in the conduct of the king, uh, of the conduct that were of his predecessors, of the kings that were his predecessors but only in such things as were of his own invention for the worse. And in his most gross wickedness, he, initi- he imitated them in their wicked courses and in their injurious behavior towards God, towards the Most High. And more especially, he imitated the transgression of Jeroboam, for he worshipped the heifers that he had made, and he c- contrived other absurd objects of worship besides those heifers. Reading on. He also took to wife the daughter of Esbaal, king of the Tyrians and Sidonians, whose name was Jezebel, of whom he learned to worship her own gods. Are you hearing this? Not only was he into worshiping the, these cats that Jeroboam set up, and other absurd objects and other gods, he married Jezebel, who was the daughter of, of, of uh, Esbaal, king of the Tyrians and Sidonians, and learned to worship her own gods. This woman was active and bold and fell into so great a degree of impurity and madness that she built a temple to the god of the Tyrians, which they call Belos, and planted a grove of all sorts of these of, of trees. She also appointed priests of false prophets to this god. The king also himself 
had many such about him, and so exceeded them in madness and wickedness all the kings that went before him. I got, I'm going to end it right there, brothers and sisters. I'm going to end it right here. I'm going to end today right here. Whether we're trying to initiate, among other things, in God's righteousness, he said, in your patience, possessing your souls. So I'm going to try to be patient and try and get, uh, continue on with this uh, on Monday. All right. Um, there's so much we, we, we're going to get to. But for her to introduce one for what she did we were, that we read about and the plot she came up with to, to secure the, the, the vineyard for this cat, Ahab to plant herbs. And he was already into other gods. These other gods were already into magic and witchcraft and sorcery and pharmacy and the use of drugs that was used for libido, that was used for sex, that was used for appetite, that was used for hallucinations, that was used as uh, antidepressants and antidepressant boosters. Come on, y'all. And that this influence was still was still around by the time we get to Revelation chapter two. That Christ is addressing this same they're addressing the influence that Jezebel has at the city of Thyatira about gain and getting more and serving your own pleasures, serving you. Even though Christ said, I know your works, I know your charity, I know your patience. I see you. But I got this against you still. What we want to be careful of, brothers and sisters, is, is are we letting some of these same influences influence us today that Christ put in a letter to John the Revelator to reveal to the seven churches, be careful of these influences. Be careful of these things. Because these things have had a far-reaching effect into the history of the Israelites, into the history of the world. These mentalities, which are very heavily steeped in pagan worship, pagan ideals, pagan religions, heathen, sensual, devilish. All right, brothers and sisters, like I said, I'm going to end it with that right there. Um, I would like to thank everybody for, for tuning in, whether you're able to tune in live and, and catch the show. Hopefully um, you get some information from it. Uh, hopefully um, uh, you're able to receive some from it. Whether you listen live, I see I see Brother Yonathan, you know, he's still on. Shalom, sir. Um, or whether you uh, cut the show uh, in the archive, it's all to the good. It's all to the good. Uh, today is Thursday. Uh, please catch us tomorrow uh, with Bonabas, uh, Bonabas Friday Night Bible Breakdowns. Uh, tomorrow night with Bonabas uh, Bible Breakdowns. And if he's not available, I will be doing a part seven tomorrow. I will be doing a part seven. Uh, please don't forget to check out any of the YouTube channels from Sword of Truth, um, San Antonio, Texas on YouTube, 
from SOW Houston, SOW Norfolk, SOW Rochester, all on YouTube as well, as well as um, uh, Hidden Truth Bible Show, uh, uh, Hebrew Media Corps, um, Five Minutes of Wisdom, and Hidden Books. All right, brothers and sisters, with that, uh, have a blessed day. Uh, stay studied up. Uh, put on the whole armor of the Most High so that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil and, and uh, take it on the preparation of the gospel. All right, so with that, brothers and sisters, uh, my name is Mishaba. I'm going to say Shalom. Yahweh our power, Yahweh is one.